Welcome to On Fire. This is the On Fire podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Allen. Let me start out by telling you about this man who uh, lived some time ago, but he caused a, a great stir among the people of his country. Uh, he was a, a notable and, and kind of a divisive or divisive character, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, he caused some problems for people around him. Everyone had an opinion about him, uh, good or bad. Um, let's see what, what some of the people who observed him said about him. Uh, this is actually recorded in the, in the New Testament. <laughs> this is John chapter 7, starting with verse 11. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, for some said, He is a good man. There's an opinion. And others said, Nay, but he deceiveth the people. There's another opinion. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered, answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? So these people were looking to kill him. And the people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? So they accuse him of having a devil, and then uh, question what he said. Who, who's, who's trying to kill you? So some people said he was a good man, and others said he was a deceiver, and, and some said he was possessed by a devil, and, and others said that he was the son of God. Uh, later in that same chapter, this is verse 43 of John 7, so there was a division among the people because of him. Basically, he came from Galilee, and the, and the Messiah should be from Bethlehem. Whoops, someone was missing that piece. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto, unto them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. All right, so the religious leaders of his day accused him of, of blasphemy and having a devil or being possessed by the devil, being mad or crazy, and, and who knows what else. Uh, how many of us have, have pondered on the evil reports uh, of the Pharisees and scribes or others who were enemies of Jesus and thought, well, I, I, really, I really should consider all the sources and opinions of those who lived at the time and, and interacted with Jesus. Have you ever thought to yourself, what if Jesus really was possessed by the devil and was able to deceive so many people because of his, his evil powers? Now, maybe someone listening has had those thoughts, but my guess is that the overwhelming majority of us have, have never given serious thought or serious consideration to the criticism of, of the Jews about Jesus. Um, we can clearly see that the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and even the Romans were threatened by Jesus because each group had power and didn't want to lose it. And it's, it's implied that way uh, by the gospel writers and, and most, if not all, believers in Jesus have negative feelings about anyone who opposed Jesus. So if that's true, why do so many members of the church or believers in the restoration of the gospel have such fragile convictions about the prophet Joseph Smith? 
I understand full well that, that Joseph Smith was not the son of God or, or the savior of mankind, but he was ordained and sent by him, by the son of God and by the savior of, of mankind. Um, people who, uh, who join the church or who, who grow up in it and stay do so because they have received a spiritual witness that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God. So if God has answered our prayers and given us the Holy Ghost as a witness, why do some struggle to maintain that belief? Uh, let me just share with you another scripture from John. This is um, John 13, 20, when Jesus sent the 12 out to preach, he taught them this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me okay so jesus is saying if you receive the my messenger if you receive who i send you receive me and if you receive me you receive him that sent me who would be the father and the opposite of that is also true rejecting the messenger sent by jesus is also a rejection of jesus let me tell you a little bit about who Jesus sent to restore his gospel and to open up the great dispensation of the fullness of times. I love learning about the personality and the character of the prophet Joseph Smith. I love reading his teachings. and I'm, I'm in awe of his intelligence and understanding, especially in his later years, though he didn't, didn't live to be even as old as I am now. Um, but I'm not going to tell you about, about those things in this episode. Um, I want us to take a little, uh, kind of a big step back and look at who Joseph Smith is in the big picture, in, in the world uh, history picture and in, in an eternal picture. He's one of several dispensation heads. Okay, what does that mean? The, the, the church website defines a dispensation this way. Dispensations are time periods in which the Lord has at least one authorized servant on the earth who bears the holy priesthood and the keys and who has a divine commission to dispense the gospel to the inhabitants of the earth. Okay, so that's what a dispensation is. Now, even in the name of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there's an implication of the period of this celestial world's existence and where we are in it. So where are we? We're at the end. So Latter-day means, means after or late or, or last. So by calling Joseph Smith and charging him with restoring the gospel and the priesthood and the church, the Lord began a new dispensation and has told us that it will be the last dispensation before he comes to usher in the great millennium. The last dispensation will be, will be a, a crescendo. Uh, will bring, I guess it should go this way, right? A, a crescendo and will bring all of the knowledge and priesthoods and keys of all other dispensations together in a, in a grand finale. That's why it's also called the dispensation of the fullness of times. Uh, the Apostle Paul prophesied of a specific dispensation, the last dispensation, uh, in Ephesians 1, verse 10, he said this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he, meaning Jesus, might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Okay, that was what Paul taught. The prophet Joseph Smith taught this, it is left for us in the latter days to see participate in and help to roll forward the latter-day glory, the dispensation of the fullness of times when God will gather together all things that are in heaven and all things that are upon the earth, even in one. 
This is a work that God and angels have contemplated with delight for generations past, that fired the souls of the ancient patriarchs and prophets, a work that is destined to bring about the destruction of the powers of darkness, the renovation of the earth, the glory of God, and the salvation of the human family. Close quote. Um, Elder B.H. Roberts put it this way, quote, This is the dispensation of the fullness of times, and we see running into it as mighty streams rush into the ocean, all the former dispensations, putting us in touch with them, putting them in touch with us, and we see that God has, has had but one great purpose in view from the beginning, and that has been the salvation of his children. And now has come the final day, the final dispensation, when truth and light and righteousness must flood the earth. Close quote. Um, let me share this with you from Elder Bruce R. McConkie. Quote, Whenever the Lord reveals the plan of salvation anew, so that men do not have to rely solely upon prior dispensings from heaven of the same glories and wonders, it is called a dispensation of the gospel. This may or may not involve a restoration of keys and powers and priesthoods. It did when Jesus came to replace the Mosaic dispensation. For instance, uh, when it came to replace the Mosaic dispensation, for instance, but not when the dispensations of Enoch and Noah were ushered in. We do not know how many dispensations there have been, probably dozens or scores, nor can we be certain how long each lasted or how one dispensation blended into another. For the present we know only that a gracious God has made his saving truths available at those times and under those circumstances when men were prepared to receive them. We live in the dispensation of the fullness of times. That is to say, we live in the dispensation of the fullness of dispensations. We have received all of the keys and powers and glories possessed by them of old. Angelic ministrants have come from those biblical dispensations which had distinctive keys and powers, all declaring their dispensation, their rights, their keys, their honors, their majesty and glory, and the power of their priesthood. In the dispensation of the fullness of times, as Paul promised, the Lord will gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. All of the rivers of the past have or will flow into the ocean of the present. Already all of the keys and powers have fallen to our lot. In due course, all of the doctrines and truths will be manifest to us. Close quote. That brings to mind to me the, the statement that uh, President Nelson has made that the restoration is ongoing, that that those those rivers uh, of the past, of past dispensations, some have flowed, but as, as Elder McConkie said, some will flow into the ocean of the, of the present. There, there is more uh, that will yet to be revealed that we can look forward to. Um, in Doctrine and Covenant section 128, verse 18, the Lord declared this, for it is necessary in the ushering in of the dispensation of the fullness of times, which dispensation is now beginning to usher in, that a whole and complete and perfect union and welding together of dispensations and keys and powers and glories should take place and be revealed from the days of Adam even to the present time. And not only this, but those things which never have been revealed from the foundation of the world, but have been kept hid from the wise and prudent, shall be revealed unto babes and sucklings in this the dispensation of the fullness of times. Okay, now I, I hate to do this because I didn't really like this movie very much, but you've you've probably come to expect a Star Wars reference in, in every episode. So anyway, at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, that's the most recent 
Star Wars movie, there's a showdown between Emperor Palpatine representing the dark side and his granddaughter Rey representing the light side of the Force. Um, because they're they're each the last of their orders, Sith and Jedi, they're, they're both backed by all of, of the dead of their order. So Palpatine declares that he is all of the Sith and Rey declares that she is all of the Jedi. Um, and then it's a little bit of an unsatisfying ending. But anyway, we won't won't get into that. But uh, but raise all of all of the Jedi. Now this is I just thought of that as I read this uh, quote from from the prophet's brother Hiram Smith. He said this quote: "There were prophets before, but Joseph has the spirit and power of all the prophets." Close quote. As the prophet whom the Lord called to usher in the great last dispensation, Joseph Smith had the opportunity to be visited and tutored by all former prophets who had held priesthood keys in, in previous dispensations. Um, we, we talk often about Joseph's first vision of the Father and the Son and, and the visitation of Moroni, uh, as well as John the Baptist and Peter, James, and John, because those, those heavenly beings are mentioned in Joseph, in Joseph Smith history and in the Doctrine and Covenants. So we're more familiar, but but the list of heavenly visitors to the prophet is much larger than that. Uh, President George Q. Cannon said this about the prophet, quote, He was visited constantly by angels. These various angels, the heads of dispensations, ministered unto him. He had vision after vision in order that his mind might be fully saturated with the knowledge of the things of God and that he might comprehend the high and holy calling that God had bestowed upon him. Close quote. Um, actually, let me continue. I'll, this is, again, this is President George Q. Cannon. He goes on and says this. He therefore received the ministration of diverse angels, heads of dispensations, from Michael or Adam down to the present time, every man in his time and season coming to him, and all declaring their dispensation, their rights, their keys, their honors. Joseph, the head of this disp dispensation, prophet, seer, and revelator, whom God raised up, received from all these different sources, according to the mind and will of God, and according to the design of God concerning him, he received from all these different sources all the power and all the authority and all the keys that were necessary for the building up of the work of God in the last days, and for the accomplishment of his purposes connected with this, with this dispensation. He stands at the head. He is a unique character, differing from every other man in this respect and excelling every other man. Close quote. Uh, I found this this list, and, and uh, this is just a, a, amazing, an amazing list, just what's documented of, of the personages, uh, angelic or, or uh, and deity that, that Joseph... Uh, uh, was spoken to by or tutored by, um, and who who appeared to him. Um, and some some bestowed keys, uh, or or had other things to accomplish. Okay, here's the list: God the Father. Right, opened this dispensation and and introduced his son. Uh, who's next? Jesus Christ, uh, who called Joseph as a prophet and 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 then appeared to him again. Or at multiple times, but but some that we have recorded, uh, the first vision, and then and then in the uh, uh, Kirtland Temple to accept the temple. Uh, the Book of Mormon prophet Moroni, 
uh, tutored Joseph and, and gave him keys of the stick of Ephraim. John the Baptist restored Aaronic priest restored the Aaronic priesthood and its keys. Peter, James, and John restored the Melchizedek priesthood and apostleship and all of those keys. Moses restored the keys of the gathering of Israel and leading the ten tribes from the lands of the north. Elias committed the gospel of Abraham. Elijah conferred the sealing power. Michael or Adam uh, restored keys, perhaps of the presidency over the earth. Uh, Noah, also known as Gabriel, uh, restored keys, perhaps the power to preach the gospel. Um, Raphael, who I think I think we may know as Enoch, uh, restored keys, um, perhaps of the the dispensation of of Enoch's day, um, and other various angels. Doctrine and Covenants one twenty eight verse twenty one uh, men- mentions um, many angels and the, and they restored keys, uh, all declaring their individual dispensation. Uh, also, another a couple of Book of Mormon prophets, Lehi ministered to him, uh, Nephi tutored him and and gave him keys. Mormon uh, tutored Joseph and and possibly gave him keys. Um, an unnamed angel in Doctrine and Covenants twenty seven. Um, an unnamed angel that Heber C. Kimball recorded uh, for, uh, sent to, to accept the dedication of the Kirtland Temple. Um, an unnamed angel that Lorenzo Snow uh, recorded visited Joseph three times and, and commanded him to practice plural marriage as previously received by the Lord. Um, and and those are those are some that we some of the most notable. But uh, let me just I'll give I'll do these quick. But these are other. Uh, other beings that we have record of uh, who appeared to Joseph Smith and, and conversed with him and, and tutored him. Abel, Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalaleel, Jared, one from the Bible, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Eve, Mother Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the son of Jacob, uh, the 12 uh, apostles, 12 original apostles, um, Peter, James, and John, and, and the others. Uh, the 12 Nephite disciples, including the three Nephites. Zelf, the Lamanite. Alvin Smith, his brother. The Apostle Paul. The prophet Alma from the Book of Mormon. And, and Joseph also testified that in his first vision that he saw many angels in addition to the Father and the Son. Uh, and also, in addition to those uh glorious and and angelic and holy uh, ministers, Joseph also beheld Satan and his associates as well. That's a huge list. (laughs) I think of everything that Joseph Smith uh, revealed and how much scripture that we have from Joseph Smith. And it's no wonder that the Lord sent so many, uh, so many ministers to, to Joseph uh, so that he would know them and know uh, know their part, um, and and receive of their keys, uh, so that this work could roll forward. Um, I saw a, a, a little YouTube short the other day, uh, and this guy, um, who's who's critical of the church, uh, brings up a quote where Joseph Smith said this: "Quote, come on, ye persecutors, ye false swearers, all hail, all hell." boil over ye burning mountains roll down your lava 
for I will come out on the top at last. I have more to boast of than ever any man had. I am the only man that ever has been able to keep a whole church together since the days of Adam. A large majority of the whole have stood by me. Neither Paul, John, Peter, nor Jesus ever did it. I boast that no man ever did such a work as me. The followers of Jesus ran away from him. The Latter-day Saints never ran away from me yet. You know my daily walk and conversation. I am in the bosom of a virtuous and good people. How I do love to hear the wolves howl. When they can get rid of me, the devil will also go. That's the end of that quote. Uh, so this guy concludes that, that Joseph was a false prophet because his fruit is that he said he was better than Jesus. I wanted to, to grab this guy by the ears and just shake him. And be like, no, no, he didn't say that he was above or better than Jesus. He said some. He said that he had done something that Jesus had not done. And guess what? I've done a lot of things that Jesus has not done. You know, like like grabbing someone by their ears and, and shouting in their face and shaking them. I didn't really do that, but I would. I, I wouldn't. I would want to. <laughs> so it's not what Jesus did, or it's what what he something he didn't do. So first of all, the prophet was addressing his enemies who had tried for decades by every conceivable means to destroy his work and his movement and to persecute him and his people. He was making it clear that they had failed. That Joseph had opened a dispensation that would end with Christ taking the reins. And without Christ, Joseph, his work means nothing. And he knew that, and he, and he admitted that uh, often. Um, but he'd organized a church and gathered a people that, that unlike any in history, of, in, in the history of the world, would never apostatize. Individuals would apostatize, but the church and, and God's people would not and would soon or will soon build up Zion, the new Jerusalem, and be the people who welcome the Savior when he returns to the earth. That's what Joseph boasted of, the great last dispensation of which he stands at the head. He didn't put himself over Jesus. He put the people he had gathered and their posterity uh, and their converts over the people of the original church that fell into apostasy. That's really what that was about, was where, where the original uh, original church, the, the New Testament church, um, eventually fell, fell into apostasy did, and did not survive. But he's saying his, his people, this dispensation, the truth and the, and the keys and, and the gospel would, would survive and would uh, continue into the millennium. So don't, don't ever fall for this garbage of, of seeing some, some dude on YouTube or social media grabbing an obscure quote and then drawing these drastic conclusions. If you hear something about church history or a quote that doesn't sit right with you, maybe figure out what the context is around it before you just fly apart and, and start to doubt everything else that you know that, that's true. These traps are set all over the place and they're Satan's traps. Don't, don't fall for it. That's garbage. Okay, I love I, I love the prophet Joseph Smith, and I I know that his his worth his work on the earth is is not complete yet. If you're wondering what to look for next, as you're watching for uh, the signs of the times, um, this is one of those signs or events. The prophet Joseph will return along with all of the ancient worthies and, and prophets. Let me tell you where and how that will happen. And if this doesn't excite you, check your pulse. 
Okay, Elder Bruce R. McConkie wrote the following, quote, Before the Lord Jesus descends openly and publicly in the clouds of glory, attended by all the hosts of heaven, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord sends terror and destruction from one end of the earth to the other, before he stands on Mount Zion or sets his feet on Olivet, or utters his voice from an American Zion or a Jewish Jerusalem, before all flesh shall see him together, before any of his appearances, which taken together comprise the second coming of the Son of God. Hopefully these all sound familiar to you if you listen to, um, to my episodes of the, the What is the Second Coming 1, 2, and 3. Uh, they'll talk about all of those preliminary appearances and then his coming in glory. Back to, to uh, Elder McConkie here. He says, Before all these, there is to be a secret appearance to selected members of his church. He will come in private to his prophet and to the apostles then living, to those who have held keys and powers and authorities in all ages, from Adam to the present will also be present. And further, all the faithful members of the church then living and all the faithful saints of all the ages past will be present. It will be the greatest congregation of faithful saints ever assembled on planet earth. It will be a sacrament meeting. It will be a day of judgment for the faithful of all the ages, and it will take place in Davies County, Missouri, at a place called Adam on Diamond. Close quote. That's thrilling. And 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 that's something that according to Elder McConkie will happen before those other preliminary appearances of the Savior. So as we as we watch uh, our society continue to fall apart and to crumble and watch uh, our our government and society uh, fall apart. We can watch for uh, for our Savior to return and take an accounting from His prophets and His dispensation heads, and to and to then take uh, the reins of government upon Himself uh, and and begin to establish His His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven on the earth. All right, President Nelson told this to the youth in a worldwide broadcast. I've probably referenced this talk 50 times. It's called uh, Hope of Israel, this devotional. He said this, quote, Think of this, my dear young brothers and sisters. Right now I am preparing for the day when I will be required to give an accounting to the prophet Joseph Smith, to President Brigham Young and others, and ultimately to the Lord about my stewardship as God's prophet upon the earth today. Close quote. And that, that's something that will occur at, uh, at Adam on Diamond, that each, each person who has held keys, the keys of the priesthood, in any dispensation will report to the, the head of that dispensation, uh, who will ultimately report to, uh, this, to Adam, who stands as, as basically as the president of the human family uh, and, and, and stands uh, beneath uh, the Savior Jesus Christ, and then then Adam can report to Jesus Christ and uh, and and return all of those keys that that mankind has used uh, to to lead uh, the Lord's work on the earth over the past six thousand years. So that's something that will um, will happen at that great conference at Adam on Diamond with with probably multiple sessions. I don't know uh, who gets to go to which, but uh, um, but that will be something that that will occur there. And what what an amazing thing to think of uh, to to be part of a gathering like that. So President Nelson is is preparing for that 
and, and, and so uh, that was five years ago um, that he was thinking about and preparing to, to give an accounting of, of his stewardship. A few years prior to that, President Nelson's wife, Wendy, said this to the young adults of the church, quote, So now a question as I conclude. What if you learned that the Savior had already returned to this earth, that he, as part of his second coming, had already met with some of his true followers in several marvelous large gatherings, gatherings about which the world, including CNN and the blogosphere, knew nothing. If you found out that the Savior was already on the earth, what would you desperately want to do today, and what would you be willing and ready to do tomorrow? Close quote. <laughs> you don't think that the Nelsons are focused on Adam on Diamon? I think they are. Um, as I think of, of the prophet Joseph Smith and his role in all of this, I think of of the words uh, that W.W. Phelps wrote in uh, his great hymn, Praise to the Man, Millions Shall Know Brother Joseph Again. And I want you to ask yourself if you if you know the prophet Joseph Smith, and maybe it's maybe it's difficult to do. Obviously, he's not alive, but um, but the Spirit can can teach you. Um, the prophet said to the saints on several occasions, "You do not know me." Those who he lived among, and I th- I think uh, there's a reason for that. Let me read you a couple of these accounts. Um, this was was quoted by um, Mary Elizabeth Rollins Leitner. Uh, she had this recollection. She said that the prophet said, People little know who I am when they talk about me, and they never will know until they see me weighed in the balance of the kingdom of God. Then they will know who I am and see me as I am. I dare not tell them, and they and they do not know me. And Mary Elizabeth Rollins-Leitner said, These words were spoken with such power that they penetrated the heart of every soul that believed on him and mine too. Um, John Taylor said this of the prophet, quote, I have heard him, Joseph Smith, say on certain occasions, you do not know who I am. The world did not like him. The world did not like either the Savior or the prophets. They have, they have never liked revealed truth. And it is as much as a bargain for the saints even to bear the truth. Close quote. Um, as the prophet Joseph closed one of the most remarkable sermons he ever gave, his last public sermon that's known as, as the King Follett Sermon or the King Follett Discourse, um, the prophet said this about himself, quote, I have intended my remarks for all, both rich and poor, bond and free, great and small. I have no enmity against any man. I love you all, but I hate some of your deeds. I am your best friend, and if if persons miss their mark, it is their own fault. If I reprove a man and he hates me, he is a fool, for I love all men, especially these my brethren and sisters. I rejoice in hearing the testimony of my aged friends. You don't know me. You never knew my heart. No man knows my history. I cannot tell it. I shall never undertake it. I don't blame anyone for not believing my history. If I had not experienced what I have, I would not have believed it myself. I never did harm any man since I was born in the world. My voice is always for peace. I cannot lie down until all my work is finished. I never think any evil, nor do anything to the the harm of my fellow man. When I am called by the trump of the archangel 
and weighed in the balance, you will all know me then. I add no more. God bless you all. Amen. Close quote. What is the prophet saying here? What does he mean that no one knew him? Uh, I think he's trying not to say what he's discovered about himself through all of his visions of, of past and future. Uh, he glimpsed who he was before coming to this earth, and he glimpsed what he would become afterward and, and didn't dare speak it, and he didn't need to. One day each of us will see him weighed in the balance, as he said, and and we'll know. Um Brigham Young, who was ever faithful to the prophet and, and, and mourned his loss, said this to the saints shortly after the prophet's martyrdom. Quote, you did not know who you had amongst you. Joseph so loved this people that he gave his life for them. Joseph and Hiram have given their lives for the church, but very few knew Joseph's character. He loved you unto death. You did not know it until after his death. He has now sealed his testimony with his blood. If the twelve had been here, he would not have been seen given. He, we would not have seen him given up. He was in your midst, but you did not know him. He has been taken away, for the people are not worthy of him. Close quote. I, I recently had lunch with with a work associate, and he's not a member of the church. He describes himself as as spiritual uh, rather than religious. Um, he studied Buddhism and, and uh, other major world religions, and he, he kind of has a fascination with it, but it, um, doesn't really subscribe to anything in particular. Um, but he had an interesting overview of, of, the, of worldviews and philosophies, and, um, and I had an opportunity to kind of listen to him and, and, and take uh, what, what he knew and thought of and, and explain my own understanding of, about God and, and his his plan for the progression of his, of his children. And, and as I was doing that, I realized how, uh, how large a scope of, uh, of things that we understand because of what was revealed by the prophet Joseph Smith, uh, that we know something of, of our own nature, uh, that the rest of the religious world does not, uh, at least of the Christian world, that, uh, that we are co-eternal with God, that we that our our core uh, essence, our intelligence, um, was not and, and cannot be created and, and has always existed, and that we will continue. That we are eternal beings, uh, as as is our Father, um, and that the purpose His purpose in creating us isn't uh, isn't for any kind of a of a, a selfish motive, but it, it is to um, to associate with us, to make of us um, peers, and and to to give us what he has, so that we we can progress and uh, and receive of a fullness and receive all that the Father has. That is precious, precious knowledge. I hope I hope you realize that, and I hope you understand what uh, what you have if you if you have a knowledge and a testimony and a witness of. Uh, of the restored gospel, um, but I was just I was just filled with joy explaining that and and uh, the the beauty and the scope and the comprehensive nature of what what God has revealed through the prophet Joseph Smith, the overall narrative uh, of of man's uh, journey is, is cohesive and it's reasonable, um, so much more than than what 
apostate Christianity can offer. Um, anyway, the, the 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 doctrines revealed in, in through the restoration are are delicious and satisfying, and they're true. Um, I feel like Brigham Young felt uh, when he he said this about his association with the Prophet Joseph. He said, quote, I feel like shouting hallelujah all the time when I think that I ever knew Joseph Smith, the prophet whom the Lord raised up and ordained, and to whom he gave keys and power to build up the kingdom of God on earth and sustain it. Close quote. I feel like shouting hallelujah that I that I know the prophet Joseph Smith. I want to, I want to read something to you that... Um, was was spoken by uh, Truman G. Matson. He, hopefully, a lot of you are familiar with this. Um, I heard this on my mission. Um, my brother sent me uh, some audio tapes and uh, uh, some cassette tapes um, of these these lectures from the 1970s that Truman G. Matson had given on the Prophet Joseph Smith. And at, at the time that he was doing this, there was uh, there was also this. Um, basically a progressive revision of, of church history um, that, that painted Joseph Smith in a questionable light sometimes. And these were church historians and, and who had been affected by, I think, by, uh, by academia and, and were more concerned with, um, with using academic principles than, than, than building faith. Um, and so this this was counter to I think the, this whole lecture series was counter to uh, that that other culture um, going on within the church. Um, but at the end of this lecture series, uh, Truman G. Madsen says says this: the same Spirit that testifies to the souls of man that Jesus the Christ was the Son of God bears witness to the receptive soul that the prophet Joseph Smith was a prophet of Jesus Christ. One cannot truly say that he knows the one and deny the other. No man can have a testimony that Christ is Christ without knowing when he hears this name and knows even a little of his life that he had a prophet named Joseph. There was a time that I... uh, was listening to this in in my in my car as I was driving uh, for work and and that's that's the end of of the of the series and when that concluded um, an experience commenced that is probably the most powerful spiritual experience I've ever I've ever had and this isn't the place for me to share any of those details other than to tell you that I that I left that experience with no doubt whatsoever that the Lord's prophet for this last dispensation is Joseph Smith Jr. And I witness to you that he is a prophet of God. That he is God's prophet for, for our day and is a true prophet. And I have the testimony of, of God to, to give me that conviction. So regardless of what anyone thinks they know about him or says or slanders or anything, uh, I know 
I know that he was a true prophet and that he wasn't just a true prophet, but that he was a virtuous and good person and full of love. And I hope you got that as I was reading the the close of, of that King Follett sermon, that that's what he tried to convey, that I love everyone. And he said that he didn't have uh, didn't have the, any any sins regarding uh, you know having any hard feelings, even though who besides the Savior is is more I mean others who are persecuted, but those who who are persecuted and killed have you know it seems like would have a right to uh, to have hard feelings and to want to see justice done. Uh, but Joseph didn't hang on to that. He I think there were times where he wanted justice to be served, and who wouldn't? Um, but it didn't overcome him to, to not have love for all of his fellow men. He was a good man. Don't doubt that. He was exemplary and, uh, and was, was a prophet of God. I leave you that witness and testimony as well as that of the one who, who called him and who first uh, tutored him and, and spoke to him in, uh, in the sacred grove in 1820, the Savior Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I testify that he lives, that the tomb is empty, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all mankind, that he is resurrected, that he that He lives and leads his church in the last days and will soon take his rightful place as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I declare this to you in the sacred name of Jesus Christ, Amen.